Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. And I want to give a really big welcome to Pastor Marilyn. She comes and preaches the Word of God tonight. God bless you, now. Thank you, everyone. Please take your seats. God is good. I love Sundays because you're here and God's here. And together, we give him all of our worship. We give him all of our praise. And God inhabits the praises of his people. And incredible things happen. Things start to shake off, to lift off, break off. And there's freedom. Incredible, incredible, supernatural moves of God. Like Ross said, we've, um, we've been away at IC Conference. And I just love... They have like a kindred spirit, Paul and Joe, with us. There's like, I love their heart and spirit. They just um, love to encounter God and to create an environment where everyone can encounter God's presence too. And, uh, and that's something that comes with a, a decision, a choice, and say, I'm positioning myself. You've positioned yourself here tonight to hear from God, and good on you. <laughs> God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the privilege of being part of your church family. I thank you for the honor of sharing your word tonight. Anoint me, speak through me. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Give you permission to direct and guide me as I speak. Lord, give us ears to hear, open hearts to receive, and a willing spirit to to do what you're asking of us, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to go straight into a scripture, and it's a really interesting passage that I, I, in my devotions earlier this week, it just jumped out at me, and this sermon came in in one moment. <laughs> well, not exactly, but that the theme of it came in a moment, and it's from Second Kings seven, and verses um, three to sixteen. And, uh, and we'll start, start reading um, probably from three. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. And they said to each other, why stay here uh, until we die? And they said, let's go into the city. Uh, the famine is there and, and we will die. But if we say, stay here, we're going to die. They, they, there was a siege situation and the children of Israel were locked up. And the people were starving and these lepers were outside the city gate because they were considered unclean. And so like, it's like, you know, what have we got to lose? So let's go over to the, to the enemy's camp, the, to the camp of the Arameans and um, surrender to them. And if they spare us, we will leave. And, and if they kill us, then we're going to die anyway. So at dusk they got up and went to the camp. And as they reached the edge of the camp, there was no one there. The Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of the chariots and horses of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians, um, to the kings, to attack us. So they got up and they fled at dusk and abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys. They left the camp and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and they ate and they drank. 
And they took the silver and the gold and the clothes and they went off and hid them. And then they returned and entered another tent and they took some of the things off and hid them also. And they said to one another, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it all to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will surely overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gate keepers up high on the wall and they told them we went to 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 the camp of the enemy and there was no one there not a sound of anyone only tethered horses and donkeys and the tents were left as they were the keepers shouted the news and it was reported within the palace the king got up in the night and said to the officials i tell you what the arameans have done they they know that we're starving And so they've left their camp and they're hiding in the hillsides. He's thinking this is an ambush. That they will come out as soon as as we step foot in their camp, they'll come out and take us alive and they'll take the city. The officials said, have some men take five of the horses that are left in the city and, and let us send them and find out what's happened. And then down to down uh, a bit further so in 14 they selected two chariots and horses and the kings they went after the armies and the command and he commanded the drivers go and find out what's happened verse 15 they followed them as far as the jordan they found the whole road strewn with clothing and equipment and and the armenians that the arameans sorry <laughs> had thrown away along the way So the messengers returned and reported it to the king. And the people went out and plundered the camp of their enemies. So just picture this. There's a siege situation taking place. The children of Israel are locked up and they've been without fresh supplies for some time. And now they're surrounded by enemy who are taunting them. These are just one of the many enemies that the children of Israel had that would come and steal and plunder and and kill and destroy and they were basically they were harassed by these people and and then so these lepers as i said were outside the camp and they to them they had nothing to lose <laughs> these poor men they they had been put outside and so they decided you know what what difference does it make we're going to die anyway so why don't we who knows the enemy may even feed us give us a feed before we die so we'll win win so there so off they they took they took a step of faith they started walking out and they went into the enemy's camp and as a result they found the place empty they found that there was no one there that everyone had run for their lives something supernatural had taken place here we'll talk about that in a, in a minute and so they're there If you imagine, you know, they come across, there's a whole campfire full of food, there's supplies in the tent, there's, there's, there's all the, the drink that they want. Not only that, there's gold, there's silver, there's clothing and all this equipment, armor. And so they're going from tent to tent just grabbing and, and, and eating as much as they could and, and run, running and grabbing and then stashing it away somewhere, burying it for later and going back in and just eating and eating and and stashing stuff away and when they'd sat back and they couldn't eat another thing they thought this isn't right we shouldn't be doing this 
We've, we're here gorging ourselves and that people, our own people are starving. We've got to tell somebody about this. They wake up in the morning and find that this, we've done this. We're really in trouble. So off they go back to the palace, back to the gatekeepers. And they call out to them and tell them what's happened. The enemy's gone. They've run. There's nobody there. And there's all this stuff. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. You've got to have some too. So anyway, they, they do this, but the king thinks, no, this, can't, this is too good to be true. There's got to be a catch here somewhere. There's, this is a trick. They're, gonna, they're all hiding in the bushes. And as soon as we get within their camp, they're going to pounce for sure. That's what's going to happen. So he, he sends out this. I was really sad. It says, take the three horses that are left, or five horses. Just take the four, the five horses that are left in the city. What do they eat the rest? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I mean, that's horrible. But they, they, this is like these poor, poor horses that are left. He'll take them and go and see what's happened. And then as soon as they do, they find, they follow this enemy trail. They find, you know, helmets and bits of equipment and swords. And, and people are literally running and stripping off. Like, if ever you've, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. If, if you ever had to walk for a long time with your suitcases, one time Ross and I, when we were very young, we went on holidays and I, um, I've never really traveled light. I always think, oh, if the weather changes, <laughs> anybody that's traveled with me, they're laughing right now. I know. I think, oh, I could get hot, you know, we'll need our togs, we'll need this. Oh, and then if it gets cold, going to need a jacket. And so I'm the one that carries all the extra stuff just in case. And then, of course, somebody will get cold. And so I got a jacket for them too. And uh, so you can, and then after you've walked around for a while, it's just like anywhere I can drop this stuff, I would just gladly leave it behind. And uh, yeah, we tried the whole backpacking thing, but we didn't get very far. We'd, I just had carried too much stuff, so we always had to drive. So, um, but that's what the scene is. It's like this piles of people's stuff as they've been run in fear and, and have just taken off in a fright. And, and these, these, um, this situation is supernatural because when you, when, you when you look back at verse 6, the Lord caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. And so they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired, he's hired the Hittites and the Egyptian kings to attack us. This is the supernatural component here. You, you, you got four lepers walking and calling out. That's all you've got, four lepers, four men walking at dusk. And they sound like a mighty army to the point with chariots. They sound like chariots. They sound like a mighty army to the point that people run for their lives. And, and so God, God did something supernatural here. And there's a few points I want to take from this, um, this story tonight. And the first one is we've got to take the first step. We've got to take the first step. We know when you're in, you know, sometimes situations 
can feel like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like, like if I do this, I'm going to lose. If I do that, I'm going to lose. And it can make you frozen with fear or confused as to which direction to go. So you're not making any progress. You're not doing anything. You're not moving at all. But breaking that stalemate by taking the first step, take the first step of faith. It, but, you know, it only takes one step of faith to set, set in motion a great victory. Because God is all-powerful. He is almighty and he is our, our king who can overcome the enemy. He can do, he, he, he can do anything. He can supernaturally, he can make four lepers sound like chariots and horses and army. He can do that. And, and with, you know, they, all they had was a bit of a lantern or a candle or something. But they thought that what they saw was this army. God can do that supernaturally. But he needs our involvement. This is the part that sometimes we miss. We think, God, if you can do it all, then just do it. <laughs> Why do you need me? But he does. He needs us to be part of this. He needs what we have in our hand. Pete said this morning, and we heard earlier in the week in the conference, God takes what's in our hands. He takes, he took the little boy's lunch, we heard this morning, the five loaves and the two fish. And from that substance, from that little offering, a multitude were fed. He uses us. He uses our steps of faith, however small they are. Only, only you know, excuse me, what steps you need to take right now. And I pray as, as, I, as I'm speaking tonight that God will speak into your heart. Take that first step. Take that step of faith and have the courage to say, God, I'm, I am taking this step and I am trusting you that you will do this. You will partner, that you will enable me to see a great victory. Our faith may be small, but we take the first step of faith. That's all that Jesus needed was those two little loaves, a few loaves, two fish, and he saw a great, he was able to do a great miracle. Years ago, um, when we were at Budrum Church, we were buying a large complex that had a seven-story water slide. It had a big reception center where they used to have weddings. It was on 16 and a half acres and it had a mini putt-putt. It had, it had 26 semi-permanent tent sites and it had a big oval and um, it, was, it was a prime piece of real estate on the edge of Budrum. And we clearly felt uh, to go after this. Tony and Coralie are nodding. They remember this place. And, and we, we felt clearly we were just a young couple with a passion um, to do something for God. And we took a step of faith and we stuck a flag in the ground and said, this place is going to be for a permanent place of worship for the people of the Sunshine Coast. It was registered as a tourist resort um, facilities for um, commercial, commercial grade. We went and had it rezoned. We felt to do this. We prayed. 
People thought we were mad because it just means that you're losing value straight away in dollars and cents. But we clearly felt to do this. And Dawn Bartle and I, and we prayed and we prayed and we joined together. And we went and did this at the council and it was approved. And then circumstances changed and the people we were buying this off, they decided they wanted their money now. We want all the, the millions now. And we didn't have it now. And we, and we were really in a, a, I felt like a siege situation. I, and he called an auction, this man. He called an auction, but it wasn't entirely his fault. His son was greedy. His son wanted his inheritance before the dad died. Sound familiar? And, and so the father put the, our, our church up for auction. And I went to this auction and I sat and I, or everything within me was just crying. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And, and I just thought, God, you cannot allow our church to be auctioned and sold. And anyway, in walks, I got up. I couldn't stand it. I got up. The place was full of people, packed. I got up and I walked outside to get a drink of water. And I saw a man walk in that we had had some, some contact with. This guy was a multi-millionaire. And, and I said straight away when I saw him, Dave, you come to buy the church for us. Oh, awesome. I saw his checkbook and his top pocket. This is over 20 years ago or more. And, uh, and he just laughed at me and mockingly and he said, oh, not likely. I'd, I'm just interested in, for my cars. He had so many cars that he wanted this, this enormous space that could seat hundreds to park his spare cars. And so anyway, I was a bit, you know, as you do when you're a multimillionaire. <laughs> and anyway, I, I, was so, I was so, you know, gobsmacked by that. I just thought, God, this cannot be happening. And I felt like... All the cupboards were open and all the crockery was put up for sale. You know, you ever been to one of those sad auctions where everybody's possessions are put out on the lawn and people forage through it? And, and I felt so vulnerable and I felt so wrong. This is so wrong. Come the auction and the bidding's going up and up and then it stops because he has the, the whole, he has the hold on, on, the, on the whole thing and he just come across with this big amount and uh, shut everybody up and and we and I just said God 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 do something do something stop this and Dawn and I and Ross we're pacing and we're praying anyways there's a kerfuffle in the in the front row the real estate agents are running from person to person who's bidding and then there's a a, a bit of a a loud noise on this one side and, I'm, and this Dave he stands up and he storms out and and he's he's mumbling and grumbling as he marches off out the door and uh, the property was was ha- turned in at auction and and uh, and we said what's happened what's happened why is he so upset what why did he storm off like that he found out that it had been rezoned <laughs> <laughs> it was no longer a place of commercial, a, a valuable, you know, uh, place where of recreation and commercial business. It was zoned as a church, 
as a permanent place of worship for the people of the Sunshine Coast. And he got in a huff because he was not popular with the council. And, they, and if it was his project, they'd probably stop it at the door. And he knew that, that it was a way, he just didn't want to be bothered. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, God. And, and that property was then told, handed in. And then we were able to renegotiate. We were able to extend our, our, our vendor finance loan. And, and the long story short, it is, that's where Calvary is now. That church was built on that land. And we felt like we were the first people. We did what God, we took a step of faith. We were just a small, relatively small congregation. We took a huge step of faith, planted a seed in the ground for the future. And God's honored that. Not only so, there's a, a beautiful church building there. And the whole thing has been, uh, has been reserved in worship and praise. And we have all our state conferences and, and um, many things. Many of you have been there in that church building. But it's, you know, it's sometimes you, you feel, you know, what have I got it's just this like this is just a small step I don't have much to offer but you put that in God's hands and look what he can do he can open up make a way where there doesn't seem to be any way you take the first step of faith and point two God he magnifies that faith and he amplifies the voice that you have and verse 6, again, it says that the enemies heard these four lepers walking towards the camp and it sounded like this huge army. God, what had happened? God had amplified the sound of these four men to sound like mighty chariots and army, a supernatural intervention. And you know, God can do the same with you. You have a voice. You have something to say and it's worth hearing. And God can amplify the sound of your voice if you take that first step of faith. You, you run with what God has speaking up, speaking out. They went back and they told the people. They shouted out to the people. God will increase your sphere of influence. And what, what you might think, what influence do I have? You would be surprised. You would be surprised at who looks to you in your school, in your workplace, in your uni, in your life, in your family. Who looks to you as the hero of your family? Who would have thought? <laughs> it could be you. You have influence. I always, um, I love Ross. He is always encouraging. And, and encouragement is very contagious, have you found? Hey, people tend generally turn around and look at who's the guy that's laughing at conferences because he's got this beautiful big laugh and he's always encouraging. But, you know, Ross has been going along to the Chamber of Commerce for years and, and, uh, and just faithfully just making connections and sewing into the guys um, in that uh, and ladies in our, in our financial and our business community. And just recently they asked him to pray and address the leadership and that the, all the all the people present following the death, tragic death of a prominent businessman in our community, and you know Ross has just consistently, continuously been there, taken steps of faith, showing up every week that or every time they have a breakfast, and um, and making that connection, 
And then all of a sudden, then God is able to amplify and use those, those steps of faith that he has taken, the seed sown over a period of time, and amplify his voice to be able to speak into a painful, hurting situation in our community. So we take the first step of faith. God magnifies our faith. Use your voice. God will amplify your voice to reach others. And the third point is develop a simple strategy and stick to it. They got up and they walked to the camp. They, they devised a, tra- a, a strategy. They were discussing this. They came up with a plan and they did it. Do you know, some of the most gifted, capable people are not always the ones that end up in the positions of influence at the end of the day. I've, this has baffled me for years. You know, I have known some very talented people, some very gifted, gifted people in all spheres and all walks of life. But do you know, they don't always end up at the top of the pile. And do you know why? Because they quit. <laughs> they stop walking. They give up. We need, we've developed, we understand people have an IQ, but we know now they have an EQ, emotional intelligence, emotional stamina and strength, consistency, stability, being able, stickability, <laughs> there's a word, being able to just keep showing up, just keep going, keep taking the next step of faith. We can all do that. You know, there are very few that are in that, you know, like that. Do you remember, oh, I used to hate it, when the science results would come out at school, our teacher would post the results, paste them on the glass outside the science room. And you'd look at who's, who's at the top of the class and then you'd try and find your name and, and think, oh, gee, I'd like to just put that somewhere in the bin. But I can't because it's stuck on the inside of the glass. And, and it's like that top one or two percent you know, that, uh, that you sort of feel like, and then there's the rest of us, <laughs> and then there's a poor, sad couple at the bottom. But we're both, most of us are in there. <laughs> we're the Mr. and Mrs. Averages in life. I don't mean to be unkind if you're a, you're a gifted student. But, you know, a lot of us are not, not. We're not born to nobility. We're not born with wealthy families. We're not a multi-five-talented, gifted people. You know, but if what you do have, if you give that to God, it's you and me that end up standing at the end of the day and have some seeds. We've sown some seeds. We've taken steps of faith. We've, we've let God amplify and magnify through faith. And then he, we begin to see what God can do when we, uh, when we stick it out, when we don't quit, when we don't get weary in doing good. Do you know one of the hardest things about, I think, being in, in ministry and also sometimes generally as a Christian is discouragement. The enemy tries to trip you up with discouragement. He tries to, to take you out of the game by, by something simple that you just didn't get the answer or something happened to someone and you didn't quite get it. And instead of trusting God and saying, well, God, I don't get this. I don't understand, but I trust you anyway. And take another step of faith. 
They pull themselves out of the game. And that's really sad. And I really feel that tonight, that, that God is going to encourage you. I really felt as I was preparing this that there were people that are, I just felt this weariness. I felt this heaviness. And it's like, oh, this is such hard work. That's the enemy. I know that there are seasons where God says it's good that you wear the yoke in your youth. He will put you to work when you're young. We've been there. And it's good for us. It's good to learn discipline. It's good to learn to work and, to, and have the reward of hard work. And that's, that's the process. That's, that's part of life. That's part of growing up. But then there, on top of that, there can be like a discouragement that, that's not natural. And the enemy just can cause you to lose hope. That's where God wants to set you free. And I believe tonight, in a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to believe God to take off, to break off these things that the, that, that the enemy has tried to just stop you, slow you down. Discouragement is one of those things. But it doesn't have to be. We have a simple strategy and we stick to it. Consistency. And, and, and God will build you up. I love one of the verses. It says, robust in love. <laughs> I love that. Robust, strong, stamina, stable. He, he's able to build these things in our character. We have a simple vision. We've had it for 15 years and it's not going to change tomorrow. Our vision is to transform lives for good with the power of Jesus Christ. One life at a time. God can magnify and increase your sphere of influence. God supernaturally amplifies your voice. He will maximize your efforts. He did it for the four lepers. He will do the same for you if we keep taking measured steps of faith. And number four, hold your ground. Hold your ground. You do this in prayer. This is where you, you dig in when, and you hold your ground. Be prepared to outlast your difficulties. Keep turning up. Keep moving forward. Consistency has great reward. Emotional stamina, robust in love. God is building spiritual muscle into your life. You may be in a job that is just driving you to, to tears. You know, like just keep going with it. God is building spiritual muscle in you. He's bringing, building character and stamina. And don't give up too easy. Let him, the process is, is valuable because of what it does for you, the richness of character, it's worth it. It's worth it. For those of you that are in transformations, the program is a process and it is worth it. It will be worth it. It's tough yards. It's hard yards because you're getting to the root, not just dealing with the fruit. You're getting to the roots of why you do what you do. And if you can say yes, yes to the Holy Spirit, you will come through like gold, refined, pure gold. And you will be strong women. You will be strong men. You'll have spiritual muscle so that, you know, when the enemy comes to you, you'll be able to say, "Just <laughs> you've got to be kidding. I know that I'm a child of God, that he's a good father. 
and I'm loved by him. And I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm holding my ground. I'm staying put. Good for you. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. God bless you. And that's what I love about Glenda. She just holds her ground. You know, when Ross asked her, what do you love about Sundays? And her first thing was, I couldn't do this without the Lord. Did you hear her say that? There's very good reasons why Glenda is kept by the goodness and the grace of God. She's a walking miracle. She has a a heart condition that would put most people... Um, tucked up at home in front of the telly and or in hospital (laughs) you know she wouldn't even be alive but God has she takes a step of faith every day she takes a step she has a simple strategy she keeps showing up she keeps showing up she keeps showing up and she keeps showing up and she serves and she serves and she serves as unto the Lord like she's doing this for the Lord and the reward is there she's kept by the goodness and grace of God I love this one in in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 20 and um, verse 17. It says, hold your ground, praise God, and let him do the work. Hold your ground, praise God, and let him do the work. Do you know prayer invites the supernatural presence and power of God to move on our behalf? Praise shift is our focus off ourselves, off the situation, and onto the possibilities. And do you know when you you give praise to God, you can come in, and I've done it too. You know, things can weigh on your mind and your heart. You've got a situation that that isn't going to be shifted, you know, by wishful thinking. You're going to need something supernatural to happen for this we we that we're believing for but do you know that when you enter his gates with thanksgiving you develop a thankful heart it positions you to receive from god and then you give him all of your worship the bible says to worship him with all your heart all your soul all your might and all your strength do you know that is some of the most powerful advice i could ever give you I've, we have determined to do this through every situation in life, to pray and invite the presence of God. Start with a thankful heart. Stay thankful. Even if you've, you know, you're thanking him for every single thing until it starts to become a lifestyle. And then you, as, as you give into thankfulness and you say, God, I am really blessed. I am very blessed. And I thank you and I acknowledge you as my source and my strength. Worship starts to rise in your heart. And then you go with that. Do you want to receive from God? Do you, anybody want to receive from God? I'm giving you the blueprint right now. (laughs) It starts with a thankful heart. It starts with gratitude. And then you take another step of faith and you give all your worship. This positions you and you show up, right? You show up where the people of God are gathering, whether it's with the tens of thousands and, and, and the hundreds where we've been, the thousands into the, into the small hundreds in the small groups. You keep showing up 
and giving yourself to God in worship. Give yourself fully to worship. That's why I keep saying to you, worship with all the stops out. You know, give yourself. Throw your arms in the air and love him. Love him. Love him. Worship him. And then there comes a moment. And most of the time, you've, you've been here, some of you have been here, when the atmosphere shifts. And the presence of God shifts. Something has taken place in our heart and God loves on us. And he loves back and he loves back. And then the prophetic word starts. The prophetic move of the spirit starts. And then there's miracles. There's healings. There's, there's deliverances start to take place. That's the time when you stop talking in tongues. <laughs> you stop talking and you receive. And you just soak it in and say, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I receive it. I receive your love. I'm your daughter. I'm your son. And you let the, you know, there's a scripture that says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. You let it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know, I've prayed for a lot of people out the front here. And when I was younger, (laughs) I've always struggled with anxiety all my life, all all my life, as long as I can remember, I have had to fight that sucker in the name of Jesus and not give in to anxiety and feeling inadequate, feeling intimidated and feeling not good enough. I've had to fight that thing in the spirit, not in the flesh, in the spirit. And when I pray for people, I was when I was younger, I'd say, oh God, please let something happen. Please, please, please let something happen. <laughs> let somebody, oh, somebody fell over. Did you see that? That fell out. They fell over. I prayed for them. They fell over. No, that's when I was really young. And I realized it had zero to do with me, (laughs) like zero, and everything to do with him and my availability, my willingness to say, God, here I am, flow through me with your anointing and I will do it. And, you know, I've prayed for people and it's like there's a magnet. You know, have you ever had a magnet and the person, and it goes, so strong it kind of pulls you they're so hungry to receive from God they literally pull it out of you they pull the anointing down it's a point of contact of faith and I've had I've prayed for people like that and they are so hungry and they're saying any minute any minute as soon as she touches me as soon as I get prayer I'm going to get healed and they get it and then there are others that stand there and I've come up and I've felt the power of God. I've gone from that, from the magnet, like pulled it out of you. Jesus said, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. I felt, I felt the anointing go out of me. And the woman said, it was me. And she got healed. And, and that's exactly, and then I've gone from that to the next person. It's like, dunk, dunk, dunk. It's just gone straight back, straight back. And I'm thinking, why, why? What's happening? Like, step over here and it's, woo, it's all over here. And then nothing. And I just feel, and I was, I'm asking the Lord, and, and, and you know, he, he just, being able to receive from God takes a step of faith. First of all, that, that he will hear you, that he will heal you, that he loves you. 
and that he is a good father and that you are worth healing. You are worth his effort to answer you. He will answer you. And if you step into that mindset, it opens you up to receive from God. And there's something downloads into your spirit and we're way off track, but I think it was worth it. <laughs> I think that's what God wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. God <laughs> oh, bless you. Yeah, so praise shifts the focus off us and onto him and the real issues get dealt with. Praise strengthens our trust in God and shifts the atmosphere, sends the enemy packing. God inhabits the praises of his people. The enemy can't stand it. So put the praise on in the car. Turn it up. <laughs> Some people, sometimes I've pulled up beside people and they're like, oh my goodness. You know, the car's going, because I'm just like, I've got a really good praise song on and I'm really giving it all it's got. I just don't look sideways. <laughs> so when prayer, we pray and, and we follow a simple strategy. Hold your ground. Praise God and let him do the work. And then lastly, <laughs> we let, we've got to, the last point is we've got to share this good news with others. The four guys said, what we are doing is wrong. They were rolling around. They'd eaten all they could eat. And they were like, do you want any more? I don't want any more. And they thought, this is wrong. We've got to go tell others. And we have the same. We've got this good news of the kingdom. We can't keep it to ourselves. Don't let the enemy intimidate you. You have a voice. He, God will amplify. What you have to share is worth hearing. Your message, your story needs to be told. And you are the one, you're the best one to do it. Let God amplify the voice of your testimony. Get around people who know how to worship, who know how to pray. Speak it out. Worship team, can we come up? I think just in recapping, just to recap tonight, as we're going to pray in a moment, and there's something else that, that I really believe God wants to do here. Take the first step of faith. Make a clear plan and strategy. Stick to it. Hold your ground. Praise, pray, and invite God to magnify your steps of faith, to maximize your vision and plan and amplify the voice that you have. God will amplify the voice of this church, I believe. Through many of you, many of you, God will position you in places that we will never go. Then you have a voice to this community and God will give you the courage. He'll give you the anointing. Even if you have to do it scared, do it. <laughs> Just stepping out in faith. Dream big. Follow the God dreams of your heart. Believe that what you have to say is worth hearing. God has called you. This is what I want to finish with. God has called you. But more than called you, He has chosen you. This really hit me when we were at... Um, the IC conference, just one thing. I think it was Banning that said this. 
from John 15 and verse 16. Jesus speaking. I have chosen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, I will give you. There's a difference here. There's a call and there's chosen. And this is how it was explained to us. It's a bit like a basketball team or a, um, we used to play softball. This used to happen in softball in my school. You'd have the captain on both teams and they'd say, I'll have him, I'll have him, I'll have her, I'll have him. And then you've got the poor weak kids at the end where nobody, oh, come on. You know, isn't that awful? That's just awful. God, healing right there. Healing for all the ones that was like, oh, rightio, you can come on. <laughs> you know, all of us, <laughs> the difference here between being called and chosen is that you, okay, you've got people lined up there saying, pick me, pick me. And like they're, they're saying yes. They're saying yes. And then you say, I'll have them and I choose them. They've already positioned themselves to be called. You know what I mean? They're there. They're, they've positioned themselves to be called, to be part of your team. And then you say, I pick you. I choose you and I choose you. That's what Jesus is saying to us right now. I've called you. Yes, you're sitting here, but I choose you. I choose you and I appoint you. There's another step. I appoint you, I position you, I place you so that you can bear fruit. And not only just bear fruit, but fruit that lasts. Fruit that lasts longer than your life. That's kingdom. That's eternity. Fruit that lives beyond your life. What a privilege. What a privilege. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight, folks? I really believe that there are people here. God, yes, God is calling you. And sometimes you have, you make that first step of response and you say, yes, yes, yes. And that's what this altar call is about. When you say, yep, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm responding to the call of God on my life. And then he says, I choose you and I appoint you to go and bear fruit, fruit that lasts. If that's you tonight, I know, I know there are people here. I felt this before I even got here tonight, that there will be people here that God is calling you to take the next step. It's not just a quick prayer and you're in the kingdom and, and you know, I've, I've answered the call. No, Jesus is positioning you. He is appointing you. And he is accepting you. And if that's you, I'd like you to come to the front tonight. Only you know that next step of faith that you need to take. Sometimes it's as simple as saying yes to things in my life. I'm going to put that behind me, Lord. That's part of my past. I'm not going back there. I'm not going to go back to the old stuff, the old way of doing life. 
I'm taking a step away from it. I'm taking the steps of faith and I'm here. I'm here, God. I choose you. I choose you and I position you and I appoint you to bear fruit in my kingdom. It takes a step of faith, but it's so worth it. And we do this, <laughs> we do this daily as a believer. We do this daily. It's, it's a matter of lordship. It's a matter of lordship. So I just encourage you. I'm, I'm going to be here. We're going to sing a song. Don't get weary in doing good. If you are the one that's feeling like this is, this is so burdensome, this is so tiring, you need to take a fresh step of faith and say, Lord Jesus, I'm saying yes. Here I am. I accept, I accept what you are wanting to do in my life. I take that step of faith and I'm going to do what I need to do to position myself in your kingdom. We want fruit that remains, fruit that lasts in our lives because nothing is more rewarding than seeing his kingdom extended, his kingdom come in this earth. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. We're waiting here in your presence. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. Encourage your people, Lord. Let your anointing set people free from anxiety. Set people free from fear of others, from fear of man, fear of not being up to it. You are up to this. You are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let's sing this. That's it. Pray together. And if you will, join me in this prayer. And let's just position ourselves. Let's just open our heart and, and literally take a step of faith towards our Lord and see what He'll do with us. See how He will amplify your voice, magnify the supernatural to make way for you. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love me, that you have called me and chosen me, and you appoint me to bear fruit. And I thank you for this privilege. I ask for your help, Lord. Strengthen me. Forgive me when I fail. Help me to stand my ground, believing you and seeing you miraculously break through my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your purposes being outworked in my life, in Jesus' name. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.